Well, if you've been with us over the past number of weeks, we are journeying through the book of Daniel at the minute. And this morning we come to Daniel chapter 7, which we're going to read together now. So the words will be on the screen, and I would encourage you to read along as this is God's word to us today. Let's read Daniel chapter 7 together. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying on his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground, so that it stood on feet like a man, and the heart of a man was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back, it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them. And three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast that was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I, Daniel, was troubled in my spirit, 
and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the true meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kingdoms that will rise from the earth. But the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others and most terrifying. With its iron teeth and bronze claws, the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up before which three of them fell, the horn that looked more imposing than the others that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the saints and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the saints of the Most High and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. He gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. But the court will sit, and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High, his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Let's pray and ask for God's help, which we're going to need this morning as we look at Daniel chapter 7. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you that Daniel chapter 7 is your word which you have given to us. But Lord, we need your help this morning to understand it. And we need your help this morning to, to get to grips with it and to see the difference that it should make in our lives. And so, Lord, would you grant us a spirit of wisdom this morning? Help us to be wise as we look at it. Would you reveal what it's all about? And would it make a difference in our lives? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is fair to say that the book of Daniel is definitely a book of two halves. Daniel 1 to 6, we've covered it already. And in Daniel 1 to 6, you met familiar people who you maybe knew about from Sunday school. You met Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And you also met some of the Babylonian kings. You met Nebuchadnezzar and you met Belshazzar. And in Daniel 1 to 6, what you have are familiar stories that are true and that teach us very clearly what God is saying through them. But then we get to the second half of the book of Daniel. 
And it is a completely different story. What you're going to see in Daniel chapter 6, 7 to 12 is all sorts of visions. And they're full of all sorts of strange things that are very confusing to people like us. Visions of beasts, of hybrid animals, of horns, of numbers, of all sorts of weird things. I mean, be honest. Whenever I was reading out Daniel chapter 7 just there, were a lot of you not scratching your heads thinking, what on earth is this all about? Now, one of the things that we could be tempted to do, and I have to say, as the preacher, I was tempted to do it when thinking about preaching Daniel. One of the things that we could be tempted to do is just to kind of ignore Daniel 7 to 12. We could read it and think, do you know what? That's just too hard to understand. We, we don't know what this is about. Let's just ignore that and get on with our lives and not worry too much about what's in there. And, and I'll be honest, John and I, we had this debate. Are we going to preach Daniel 7 to 12 or will we just leave that until we're a few more years on a ministry and maybe more capable? But the problem is if we do that, we'd be missing something. We'd be missing something if we ignore Daniel chapter 7 to 12. We'd be missing something because this is God's word to us. And we'd be missing something because God has something to say to us through it. So this morning, we're looking at Daniel 7. And in the next weeks, we're going to have a go looking at the other chapters too. But here's a question. How are we meant to understand this? I mean, it all seems a bit like gobbledygook, doesn't it? How do we understand what's going on in Daniel chapter 7 and in the other parts of Daniel that we're going to read in the coming weeks? Well, let me tell you, there's a sport called lacrosse. And I have no idea how to play lacrosse. And I have no idea about lacrosse rules. And I have no idea how lacrosse works. But Andy over there, he played lacrosse at university. And I know that if I sat down with Andy and we had a five-minute conversation, I could grasp the basics of lacrosse. So before we dive into Daniel chapter 7, what I want us to do is to pretend we're back in school and take five minutes to try to understand how we can understand this. Now, you're going to have to concentrate. Are you up for it? You up for it? Okay. You're going to have to stay with me this morning the whole way because it's not going to get easy, but here we go. So how do we understand what we're reading when we read Daniel 7 onwards? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to understand the type of literature that we're reading. Look at these things on the screen. Do you see those? Now, it's interesting, isn't it? You glance at those and you instinctively know what you're reading. You're reading a text message. You're reading the end of a letter. You're reading the start of a fairy tale. You're reading a a lovely Valentine's Day poem. You're reading a piece of wisdom that encourages people to get up and get on with things early in the day. You're reading a shopping list. Isn't that right? You, You read that and you know exactly what you're reading. But then we turn to Daniel chapter 7 and we read it and we go, what are we reading here? What is this? Well, the answer is we're reading something called apocalyptic literature. That is the nice academic term for it. This is apocalyptic literature. And what does that mean? It's very easy. You see that word apocalyptic? That means revealing. So I want you to imagine that that I've got something under here and you can't see it and I'm describing it. Something hidden and I'm describing it. That's what apocalyptic literature is doing. It's revealing something that isn't known. It's revealing something that is hidden. So in the Bible, when we read Daniel 7 to 12, when we read the book of Revelation, when we read parts of Ezekiel, when we read parts of Haggai, and it has this sort of language, 
God is revealing something to us. He's showing us things that are hidden. He's maybe showing things that are in a spiritual realm that we don't see, but he's simply revealing things to us. And so this morning, as we read Daniel chapter 7, and we're going to get into it in a minute, God is trying to reveal things to us. Are you with me so far? Yep. Okay, great. Simple. Easy, isn't it? Revealing. Okay, so how are we meant to read it then? How are we meant to actually get what God is saying? Well, as you probably noticed, as I read Daniel chapter 7, it was all picture language, wasn't it? With the beasts and, and the wings, it was all these big pictures were drawn for us in the passage. So what we have to do is we have to, first of all, look at the pictures. When we read apocalyptic, it's important that we look at the pictures very, very carefully to get an idea of what these pictures are in our mind. And that's because as any kind of, um, as any photographer will tell you, a picture says a thousand words. So as you look at the picture, you're going to see what it's about. So that's the first step. Look at the picture. The second thing that we're to do whenever we read this type of literature is we're to let the picture stir our emotions. Have you ever seen a picture and it's just got you right in the heart? You've maybe seen a picture on the news and it's made you angry. You've maybe been sent a picture of your niece or nephew or grandchild and you've looked at it and it's brought joy to you. A picture is meant to stir our emotions. So the second step, the second thing we need to do when we look at this literature is let it stir our emotions. How does it make you feel when you look at these pictures? The third step then to understanding it is that we need to let the Bible and not speculation tell us what these pictures represent. You see, whenever we look at Daniel chapter 7, the beasts represent something. And the horns represent something. But what we're not to do is make up what they represent. We're not to guess. We're to look at the Bible and let the Bible tell us what these things are. And then there's the last thing. We're to let the big picture reveal the message. In all of these visions, there's lots of little details. And one of the dangers that we can do is that we can focus in on all of these details and try to work out all the intricacies of these small details and we miss the main message. In apocalyptic literature, the message is the big picture. Still confused? Yep. Okay, let's dive into Daniel chapter 7 and I'll try to show you how these things work in real life. Now before we get to the pictures in Daniel chapter 7, in verse 1 we get the situation that Daniel is speaking into. We're told there that Belshazzar is in the first year of his reign. Now Belshazzar, if you've been with us, he was the person we found in Daniel chapter 5. He was the one who mocked God. He was the one who God wrote the handwriting on the wall and his kingdom was ended that night. Belshazzar was someone who hated God, who rebelled against God, who was anti-God. And Belshazzar was also someone who treated God's people badly. If you read sources outside of the Bible, you'll see that he opposed God's people and he persecuted them mildly. And even in Daniel chapter 5, you kind of see it. Belshazzar had been king for 20 years and he didn't know who Daniel was. Which means that whenever he came to his reign, he pushed Daniel out of his position. So the context of this vision, you've got Belshazzar as king. He's a tyrant. He oppresses God's people. He opposes them. And he makes life difficult for them. Okay, so that's the context. Let's now look and see the pictures that Daniel sees. 
the first thing he sees is a very stormy sea. He says, I saw the four winds of heaven and they were stirring up the sea. It's interesting, isn't it? When we look at the sea, even with our world of life jackets and life vests and life boys and the RNLI, even with all of those things, whenever we think about the sea, it's unpredictable and it's a bit frightening and it's quite scary. So he sees this scary sea. And his vision gets even more frightening because out of the sea come these huge, massive beasts. Imagine looking out and seeing a huge beast come out of the sea, raising up into the air. That would be frightening. But then whenever you see the descriptions of these beasts, it's even more frightening. The first beast, Daniel says, it was like a lion, but it had wings. The second beast, he says, it was like a bear. It was hunched up on one side and it had three ribs in its mouth. The third beast, he says, it was like a leopard and it had four heads looking in all directions. You can just picture it. On wings on its back. And what does Daniel says? It was given authority to rule. And then you have this, this terrifying fourth beast coming out of the water. Daniel doesn't even compare it to an animal. He says it was terrifying and powerful and frightening. And then listen to the description of this beast. Just imagine it in your mind. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and it trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the other beasts and it had 10 large horns. Do you see what Daniel sees here? He sees these four frightening, powerful beasts coming out of the sea. They're powerful and they're frightening and they're scary. And what makes them even more scary is that they're given authority. They're allowed to go and eat their fill of flesh. They're given authority to rule over people. This is a frightening picture, a very frightening picture that Daniel gives us. And then having seen these four beasts, it's like he, he zooms in on the fourth beast. And he looks at, looks at the horns that are coming out of it. He zooms in on the horns. And he says this, he says, the fourth beast, this had a horn like, with, this horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. So he said, on the fourth beast, there was this horn and it had eyes and it spoke boastfully. It spoke against God. And what did this horn do? Daniel says, as I watched, this horn was waging war against the saints and defeating it. There is a horn on the beast and it's defeating God's people. It's piercing them, if you like. It's going through them. It's killing them. A very frightening picture of a horn. So these are the pictures that Daniel sees initially. Do you feel the fear? You can understand, can't you, why, why, why Daniel said, I was disturbed by what I saw. 
But what are these beasts? And what is this horn? And what are these horns? What is Daniel talking about here? What are these things? The good thing is we don't have to speculate because the Bible tells us and in this passage, we, we see what these things represent. Let's have a look together. Verse 17, the four, the four great beasts are four kingdoms that will arise on earth. So the four beasts, they're, they're kingdoms that rise on earth. They're regimes, they're empires, they're kingdoms. There are these large, powerful kingdoms that rise up. We see that in 17. And then what about the horns? Well, again, we see the answer to that in verse 24. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from the fourth kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and time and a half. Daniel says, these beasts are kingdoms that are going to rise on earth. And the horns are rulers of these kingdoms. And these rulers are going to do terrible things to God's people. They're going to oppress them. They're going to crush them. They're going to devour them. They're going to fight against them. They're going to kill them. Kingdoms and empires and regimes and rulers. This is a very, very disturbing picture so far. But it's not the end of the big story. It's not the end of the vision that Daniel sees. It's just part one. But there is a second part. You see, this stuff has all been seeing the future. Do you remember the revealing thing? Daniel has revealed, been revealed to what the future is. These kingdoms are coming. These rulers are coming. But now a glimpse into heaven is revealed to Daniel. Daniel is given a heavenly vision. The curtain is pulled back and Daniel is revealed to him what is actually going to happen in heaven with regard to these beasts and these horns. And it's a reassuring picture. The first thing Daniel sees is that there's going to be a day of judgment when all of these kingdoms and rulers are going to be brought to an end. Have a look at verse 9. As I looked, this is a glimpse into heaven, thrones were set in place. And the Ancient of Days, that's Almighty God himself, took his seat. He sits down to judge. His clothing was white as snow. He is completely pure. His hair is like wool. He's completely wise. His throne is a flaming fire and wheels are on it, all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him, and thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Isn't that a wonderful picture? This powerful God sits down to judge. He sits down, and he opens the books. He sees a picture of God as judge. And then Daniel sees the outworking of God's judgment. He sees the result of the judgment that comes when God sits. Have a look at the screen there. He says the fourth beast was slain. It's killed. This big, horrible, terrifying beast that is unlike anything else. Daniel says after the judgment, this beast is killed. Its body is destroyed. And it's thrown in to the blazing fire. 
and these other beasts that weren't quite as bad as the fourth beast, but were still really bad, what does he say happens to them? They were stripped of their authority, but they were allowed to live for a period of time. These beasts, Daniel says, were killed. Their authority was taken from them. God sat in judgment and ended them, put an end to them completely. What sense do you get now? What's the feeling you get from this magnificent picture of judgment? Still a little bit of fear, absolutely. But a sense of relief, isn't it? That the beasts are going to be killed. This is wonderful news. We live in a world, don't we, where we see evil regimes and empires and kingdoms rise. Look back into the past and you see them all through history. What ones spring to your mind? The Third Reich, Hitler, does that spring to your mind? What about Stalin? What about Pol Potts? These kingdoms rise, these evil empires rise up. But God brings them to an end. And folks, this is meant to reassure us as we live in this world. Even just a few years ago, I remember watching ISIS on the news every day. They were beheading Christians. They were slitting their throats and the propaganda was saying, we're coming for the whole world. Do you remember that? Do you you remember how frightening that was to watch? Even in this world we live in today, these kingdoms are going to rise. These regimes are going to come up. They're going to spring up and they're going to do great evil. But God will bring them all to an end. And not only will he bring them to an end, but he's going to do something even more wonderful than that. Because you see, having seen the judgment that God's going to bring, Daniel then saw something else, something amazing. He saw a new king being crowned. And he saw a new kingdom being established. And he saw that all of God's people, those who'd been oppressed and killed and slain, all of those people who'd been oppressed under the evil kingdoms, he saw that they got to inherit and be part of this everlasting eternal kingdom. Have a look at the vision that he saw. It's on the screen. In my vision at night, I looked And there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And then look what he says. He says, the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. Oh, Daniel, God says, evil kingdoms are going to rise. Evil regimes are going to raise up and they're going to persecute the people of God. But be assured there will be a new king one day. And this king will reign forever and he will crush every enemy under his feet. 
when this king rules in his fullness, evil will be no more. And the saints, my people, will live in security and in safety in this kingdom. This kingdom with no evil. This kingdom with no hurt and harm. We've seen the one Daniel was talking about. This king that, that Daniel could not have seen, we've already seen that he's come. This king that's promised in Daniel chapter 7 is none other than Jesus Christ. He is the king of this kingdom. And we know it when we look at his life, don't we? Do you know what Jesus referred to himself as more than any other title? The son of man. That's what he called himself. He called himself the son of man. And by calling himself the son of man, he was referring to Daniel chapter 7. I'm the king. I'm the king of the kingdom. He referred to himself as this son of man. And then if you read Mark's gospel, whenever Jesus stands before the religious leaders and they're interrogating him, asking him who he is, listen to what Jesus says. They say, are you the Messiah? And here's what Jesus says. He says, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Well, I'm not only the Messiah, Jesus says. I am that King of the kingdom that's coming. And then having triumphed over death, having triumphed over the cross, having raised from the dead, do you remember what Jesus said? He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I'm the king. I'm the one promised in Daniel chapter 7. And then do you remember what happened after he rose from the dead? He ascended to heaven. He went to the ancient of days. And the clouds covered him. The king has come. And on the cross, he disarmed evil. He defeated Satan. He defeated the beast. The beast is still alive. The beast is limping. The beast is hurt. The beast is still causing problems and trouble. But Jesus has dealt him a fatal blow. And whenever Jesus returns, the beast will be cast into the blazing fire. All evil, all wickedness, all murder, all of the things that make our world a horrible place to live sometimes, all of that will be gone. And Jesus Christ will rule and reign. This morning, we live in a world of beasts. We live in a world where we watch the news and we're horrified. We cannot believe the evil that is in the world. But we're not to be those without hope. We're not to be those who forget the second half of Daniel's picture. The king is coming back. Jesus will return. Every enemy will be put under his feet. He will establish a new everlasting kingdom. 
and you will be part of it. You will be part of it if you know the king. Let's pray together. And I'm gonna lead us in praying the Lord's Prayer. If you want to pray along, you can. Um, I'm gonna pray the King James versions with the, la- the thighs and the thighs. So feel free to pray along if you wish to. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.